Hi, it's Terry Gross, the host of Fresh Air. We bring you in-depth, long-form interviews with actors, directors, musicians, authors, journalists, and more. Listen to our Peabody Award-winning Fresh Air podcast from WHYY and NPR. In the NOCO is supported by Blue Federal Credit Union, with locations from Denver to Cheyenne, helping members tap into the power of community. More information at bluefcu.com. You're listening to Colorado Edition from KUNC. I'm Jocelyn Mesa Miranda. Thanks for joining us. It's Friday, January 27th. Government transparency advocates want Colorado lawmakers to stop using a secret ballot system that is quietly killing bills at the state house. But lawmakers are continuing to defend the practice. And as KUNC investigative reporter Scott Franz has found, they're considering using it again this spring. A few years ago, Colorado lawmakers decided to do things a little differently. With so many bills competing for money, they wanted a more efficient way of figuring out which ones to send out to the floor for a final vote. Enter quadratic voting. Each spring, lawmakers privately log on to a website and click on the bills they think should pass. It's a secret ballot, essentially. That's Chris Hansen, the senator who introduced the voting system to the Capitol. You're filling this thing out in your pajamas, uh, you know, in the comfort of your own home. After KUNC dug deeper into its growing influence, the details alarmed government transparency advocates like Jeff Roberts. We believe that this system violates the open meetings law, the prohibition against using secret ballots, and the Colorado Supreme Court's ruling in the 1980s that legislative caucus meetings must be open to the public. Roberts is the head of the Colorado Freedom of Information Coalition. His group wrote a letter urging lawmakers to stop using the secret ballots because they deprive the public of its right to observe important decision-making. But lawmakers never responded. So when they returned to the Capitol this month, KUNC wanted to know what they thought of the backlash. Julie McCluskey is the Speaker of the House. She's defending it. It isn't a vote, and it's not crafting policy. It isn't, you know, drafting the words that go on a page for a piece of legislation. It is simply a, a you know, a collection of where people think dollars should be spent. McCluskey says it's difficult to find a consensus on which bills should get funded without a private survey. This is really done to try and be more inclusive and more equitable so that independent legislators can weigh in without the pressure of their colleagues. But other lawmakers have described quadratic voting very differently. They say it's not just a data point and it does kill bills before they even get to public votes. Carrie Donovan was one of the most powerful Democrats at the Capitol last year. She told me this fall that the secret survey killed a bill she ran to improve wildfire investigations. I don't think it's outside the realm to say that if this bill had ranked higher in the preference polling process, that it would be law and we would be investigating the causes of wildfires in the state to a more complete level. But let's get back to Speaker McCluskey, because it's now up to her whether Democrats in the House keep using quadratic voting. Do you think you'll use it this session? I don't, I don't know. I mean, right now, we're way far away from that part of our process. Senate President Steve Finberg had a similar answer. 
Meanwhile, some members of the public are calling on lawmakers to end the secret ballot system. Kevin Bomber leads the Colorado Municipal League. It's a group that lobbies on behalf of cities and towns. The actual debate on should this pass or should this fail and why, I think if you were to ask anyone on the street, they would expect that it happen in a public way, you know, where they can see it, hear it, and have a chance to participate in it. Bomber says quadratic voting might fuel accusations that the fate of bills are predetermined. The public often don't trust government. Why give them a, a reason to even think that there's yet another way not to trust government? Jeff Roberts at the Freedom of Information Coalition is also hoping the secret ballots stop. If they do keep on using it, is there a way they can adjust it so it can be open to the public? Lawmakers typically use the quadratic voting in April. They've denied open records requests for the surveys going back to 2019. So the results of those votes remain secret. I'm Scott Franz. Colorado kids are in crisis. They're suffering from high levels of anxiety, depression, and thoughts of self-harm. Pandemic-era stressors and isolation only worsened mental health issues. As part of KUNC's new series on childhood mental health, Lee Patterson talks with the people who are trying to help them, including other students. When a student wants to meet with a peer counselor at Rocky Mountain High School in Fort Collins, they come here. This is the counseling office? This whole thing is the counseling yes. office? Yes, and this is the peer room. 17-year-old Lily Dubin is a senior, and she's one of the school's 33 peer counselors. This room is where students can come to talk through whatever's bothering them. We have LED lights and pictures and quotes. We have a couple couches, and we have a snack box, and we have a bean bag. Dubin is petite, with dark hair and a huge smile. She's on the dance team here and really loves school. During the pandemic, when she was home, Dubin said that with her parents and older brother, she had a strong support system. I was still feeling really upset and sad and isolated. And I had these feelings of my life is never going to get better than this. And I'm stuck in this routine. That's one of the reasons she became a peer counselor, to help the kids who had similar feelings but didn't have as much support. Here's some of what she's been hearing from students. I think it's a lot of anxiety, feeling really overwhelmed. There's a lot of depressive feelings. There's a lot of substance abuse happening. Um, a lot of it's hard to get through the day without having these feelings and needing that quick feel better. This type of suffering is widespread. Persistent sadness and hopelessness among kids has been steadily increasing since 2013, when the state began collecting this information. Suicide has become a leading cause of death for young people here. Then, during the pandemic, kids were suddenly stressed and isolated. A lot of people are feeling like they don't fit into this community. That creates this outsider feeling, which makes it really hard to go through school and sit in 90-minute classes and go to lunch and maybe not have people to sit with and look forward to just going home. In 2021, half of teens in Poudre School District said their stress felt unmanageable. One out of five high school students seriously considered suicide. These numbers are higher among girls and much higher among LGBTQ and non-binary kids. These struggles extend outside of high school hallways. 
Younger kids going to school one mile east at Beatty Elementary have been dealing with mental health challenges too. So we're in our 50th year of existence, but we're also an open concept school too. We don't have um, walls or doors. Assistant Principal Kale Wicker takes me through the library and learning areas into Stephanie Coleman's office. She's the school's counselor. In the corner is a small tent. Yes, that's the cozy corner kids can come in and hang out if they need some quiet space. Coleman remembers when her students first came back in person. Honestly, I think the kids were so excited to be back in school on the days they were back in school. I didn't see as a counselor as many of the struggles then as I do now. She's seeing more kids with anxiety at younger ages. What is making kindergartners come in with this feeling of anxiety and dysregulation and not even comfortable in their own skin. She says students seem to have a lower tolerance for frustration, more likely to yell or push after being cut in line, for example. For these younger students, part of this is about missing social skills. A six-year-old acting like a four-year-old because they were isolated for a year. Learning loss, meaning falling behind academically, is another problem. We have one grade here who I would say probably 25 to 30 percent of them came to me individually describing like symptoms of anxiety, stomach aches, headaches, um, not wanting to come to school. Research is lacking on why exactly these pandemic-era mental health impacts are lingering. But generally, prolonged stress in kids can have lasting effects on childhood development. Assistant Principal Kale Wicker doesn't see a single root cause. And so it's really hard for us, I think, to just say, oh, well, we can just go in and we'll plug this in and then everything will be back to normal. We're just really seeing the, the complexity of being human in this time that they're there is no easy fix. Poudre School District is working to get help to its 29,000 students spread across 60 schools in Larimer County. They do have a variety of resources in place for students who need help now. Liz Davis, the director of student services for the district, lists them out. We have someone supporting LGBTQIA, someone supporting restorative justice, sexual assault. And counselors, psychologists, social workers, nurses, and a threat assessment team but the consensus is that staffing levels are not enough. Sometimes, so many high schoolers need mental health support that kids wanting to talk about college just have to wait. Here's Beth Green, the district's counseling coordinator. The need is so great that we see that we could use more, and that our resources, that we need more to be able to meet the needs of our students. The district did get some good news this month, a $1.5 million grant from the federal government to put towards youth mental health. They're also trying to figure out how to provide care for students during spring and summer breaks. It's almost 50% of our students are experiencing hopelessness, persistent hopelessness. The number of students who have suicide ideation who are young adults in this school district is one in four. The district superintendent, Brian Kingsley, declined to be interviewed for this story. But late last year, he spoke passionately to the Board of Education and state lawmakers. What is the tipping point? Because if it's not one in four children talking about and thinking about dying, I don't know what is. The number is closer to one in five. But during that meeting, Kingsley outlined what he wants to do about it, based on input from students. A marketing campaign to get the word out about resources, plus mental health education for students, more school counselors, and safe places outside of school. The school board has put aside some money in its budget for these projects, as has Larimer County. But there's still a lot to be done, and it's expensive. 
Students, Kingsley says, are waiting for solutions. As we continue to normalize our lives on, on the other side of how we've experienced this pandemic, this is a story that as a community, an award-winning community, we need to talk about it more often and be more courageous about. As Lily Dubin walks through the halls of Rocky Mountain High School, she describes it as a place where there's a lot of trust and kindness. She says students don't boo at basketball and football games. There's closeness between students and staff. Some of her teachers went to Rocky themselves. And I think after COVID, it's been really interesting to get back into that um, community. It took, it took a little bit of time, yeah. Um, yeah. but we're still, we're still working on that. As Dubin winds down her time as a student and peer counselor here, she's helping interview next year's peer counselor candidates. And when she goes off to college in the fall, she wants to study psychology and eventually become a therapist. Dubin says she wants to continue this type of work for the rest of her life. Lee Patterson, KUNC. You can find our full series on childhood mental health at KUNC.org. That's all for today on Colorado Edition. Thanks for listening. The Colorado Edition podcast is posted every Friday. Just hit subscribe on your favorite podcast app. If there's a story you'd like to hear, send us an email at coloradoedition at kunc.org. Our theme music is composed by Colorado musicians Brianna Harris and Johnny Burroughs. Other music in the show by Blue Dot Sessions. I'm Jocelyn Mesa Miranda.